This is the John Favreau's My Daddy podcast with Jessica Garcia and Monica Montoya. Greetings. Good evening, <laughs> listeners far and wide. Hello, welcome to this podcast I have created with my friend Jessica. <laughs> Monica, do you ever find yourself wondering like what the what our listeners are doing when they're listening to us? Yeah. Like I want to know like are you like cooking dinner? Are you you're probably not driving cuz nobody's going anywhere. Yeah. Um are you just like hanging out? Like what are you doing? Are you guys folding laundry? Are you holding laundry? Are you, uh, do you just have us on during your work from home day? Mm-hmm. So you have some voices on. I just want to know. I'm I so curious. Know. Can you show me? Um, every single one of our listeners, please write us a detailed email about who detailed. you are. Detailed. <laughs> I want to know all of you. <laughs> I just want to deeply, intimately know you. I want to know. I don't. Can you show me? I won't know about these strangers like me. (laughs) Hi, Monica. Hi. How you doing? I'm doing well because today is a special day. Is it? We are introducing our very first granddaddy. We are. Would you like to tell us again what a granddaddy is? I was just about to ask you that question, Jessica. (laughs) (laughs) That's fine. I can do it. I can do it. So granddaddy is usually someone or actually always someone who is no longer with us. No longer. Um, A past daddy. However, there isn't there are and as an asterisk to this mm-hmm. because there are some actors who are no longer with us who I would not consider a granddaddy, granddaddy yet. Like Philip Seymour Hoffman while gone. May he rest in peace. Still just a normal daddy. We're more talking about people of like the golden era of, of Hollywood. Hollywood, baby Hollywood. So the Marlon Brando's, the Marilyn Monroe's of the world. Um, the Gregory Peck's. Precisely. And there are people who are still alive. Like, like, like Gene Hackman, once he dies, he's ninety-one. He'll immediately be a granddad. Oh yeah, people like that. <laughs> um, and so today, the one that we're doing is someone very near and dear to Monica's heart, specifically the granddaddy to kick off all granddaddies. Truly, I don't think anybody has a bad thing to say about this person. No one has a poor thing to say about the lovely, the luscious, yes. the lustrous, the luminous. Audrey Hepburn. Oh, yes. Tell us all about her, Monica. Oh, I will, baby. I will. (laughs) EGOT legend, trained ballet dancer, accredited dental assistant, and (laughs) Givenchy queen, Audrey Hepburn, born Audrey Kathleen Rustin, is probably one of the most famous and celebrated actresses to have ever gracefully glided on this earth. Recognized as both a film and fashion icon, she was ranked by the American Film Institute as the third greatest female screen legend from the golden age of Hollywood and was inducted into the International Best Dressed List Hall of Fame. She could speak English, Spanish, French, Dutch, and Italian. She was an active and cherished humanitarian. She was BFFs with Gregory Peck. She was the proud owner of a small deer named Pippin from her work on the film (laughs) Green Canal. She's had tulips named after her, the Presidential Medal of Honor bestowed upon her for her work with UNICEF, and was a proud, proud Spaghetti al Pomodoro stan. (laughs) 
She is our introvert idol, having famously said she has to, quote, be alone very often. I'd be happy if I spent from Saturday night until Monday morning alone in my apartment. That's how I refuel. Ms. Hepburn had a long, grand career in life until she was diagnosed with abdominal cancer at the age of 62, and she died in 1993 at the age of 63. She was truly one in a million and therefore must be our very first granddaddy. She was also the actual daddy to two boys. Yes. <laughs> wow. I'm so excited to talk about she her. She's had a long, full life. She, yeah. I mean, well, not, not, necessarily, not very necessarily long. long but full. But very full. full. Oh, yeah. It feels long. It felt long. So the movie that we're going to start with, Monica, is Roman Holiday. Oh, my God. Throw a stone. You'll hit someone who's seen this movie. I hadn't seen it. So. What? Yep. <laughs> so you could have thrown a stone right between my yeah, eyes. Yeah, go ahead and throw the Emma stone right between your eyes. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, no. And throw you both in the trash. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so our first movie is Roman Holiday. It came out in 1953. Written by Ian McClellan Hunter and John Dighton. But tech. Technically written by Dalton Trumbo, who was blacklisted at the time, and so his name could not be attached to the film. Um, but apparently Ian McClellan Hunter did give him like half of the money for it or something. I don't know like what that. kind of backdoor deal, but uh. he, he got he got it. And then eventually he like posthumously got the Oscar given mm. to him for it. Um, directed by William Wyler. So overwhelmed by her suffocating schedule. Schedule. During European Princess Anne, played by Audrey Hepburn, takes off for a night while in Rome. When a sedative she took from her doctor kicks in, however, she falls asleep on a park bench and is found by an American reporter, Joe Bradley, played by Gregory Peck, who takes her back to his apartment for safety. At work the next morning, Joe finds out Anne's regal identity and bets his editor he can get an exclusive interview with her, so he pretends to not know her true royal status and accompanies her around the city as she explores Rome on her own terms terms however while in pursuit of his story romance begins to get in the way all right y'all let's break it the fuck down for you <laughs> audrey hepburn was cast in this movie because she was literally a nobody but she had it you know what i'm talking about the it factor the it factor for all stars there must be an it and with every it there is a star and with every star <laughs> in the sky there is a hollywood movie and millions of dollars to be made now darling <laughs> When you put someone like Audrey Hepburn at the fil- at the helm of your film, you get a mega hit. Mm-hmm, yes, sir. Plus yes, you, you get do. Gregory Peck's future BFF is what happens. <laughs> yeah, I just love how this movie, they were like, we don't have any money for a star if we're going to shoot in Rome because they had to shoot in Rome. Mm-hmm. So they're like, I guess we'll cast Audrey and I guess we'll shoot it in black and white. And then she became a huge star and it became an iconic movie. Yeah, she even had a equal billing with Gregory Peck because he literally refused. <laughs> he refused the words and intru- in, in introducing Audrey Hepburn to be smaller than his name because he was like, she's going to be a big, big star and I'm like, I'm going to look like a fucking asshole if it doesn't look exactly we love Gregory the same Peck. size oh yes we, we love Gregory Peck. we love him but this isn't about Gregory no, no 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 this is about Audrey exactly um no Monica I, I right off the bat I will say you have a far stronger connection to Audrey than I do I was a young girl wait <laughs> <laughs> I really, uh, I really like her. I think she's very talented, but I think you you have more to speak to just about like her as like an icon and who she was for you. We essentially so <laughs> 
we're gonna pull back the curtain for three seconds we uh sort of had to get her out of the way in terms of our granddaddiness because it is impossible (laughs) for me to be objective when it comes to audrey hepburn because uh i had a very strong attachment to her growing up uh breakfast at tiffany's was one of the first movies i ever saw and it was one of the only movies i owned at the time so i watched it over and over and over again Mm -hmm. it is not the best movie in the world (laughs) (laughs) um but it was a movie that very heavily influenced my view of like who audrey hepburn was and like the impact that she had on my life um and uh she's just incredibly important to me yeah uh in at a time when i did not have like a female person to look up to she was kind of there so um with that being said i unfortunately cannot be objective about miss audrey <laughs> but that's why jessica's here yeah. to be objective. i mean don't, i'm not gonna shit on her don't worry <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm like holding my my hands in like little fists under the table <laughs> threatening to jab her <laughs> uh, uh, something that like really hit me right off the bat of seeing roman holiday is just audrey hepburn became like she had such like a regal reputation almost like she was literal like hollywood royalty she looked like a fucking princess um and it's funny that her very first role ever she's playing a literal royal but oftentimes especially in this period of hollywood and before and shortly after like it was enough for actresses just to be like beautiful yeah or or hot yeah exactly either honestly either one and she is stunning Mm -hmm. but she's also incredibly layered and oh my god i think that like i mean roman holiday is a great movie but it also doesn't provide too many opportunities for giving like a super super layered performance but she found moments in her like like doe-eyed ingenue-ness to give you a little something extra yeah um she fucking dazzles in this movie yeah Um, she like becomes ethereal in this movie she's like beautiful she's enchanting she's regal she is radiant she's refined like there is so much about her in this movie that screams royalty that is so above it's, it's almost like touching divinity yeah right so it's like when you present a new star in this kind of light you have no choice but to make her into like a megastar mm-hmm. um i know after this movie she like signed a she signed like a 15 movie deal with paramount because they were like fuck bro yeah <laughs> like we have to give you something now <laughs> <laughs> um and she's just so brilliant in this film because there is so much about her that screams child yes but when she actually steps out into her own and is like her own fucking person mm-hmm. she's a full-fledged independent woman um which was very modern for the time and modern for like the literal role itself because that's that's who the character of princess anne is like she's she's seen i mean she's obviously a princess but she's seen as like very angelic and very proper and everyone's Mm -hmm. so excited to see the beautiful princess but like she's a woman and she has her own sort of dreams and things that she wants to at least see like mm-hmm. bare minimum she wants to see a fucking city um one thing that or uh, someone that reminds me <laughs> y'all are gonna lay off <laughs> someone that reminds me a lot about audrey hepburn in terms of sensibilities mm-hmm. is brendan fraser <laughs> I, I need an explanation <laughs> um <laughs> Simply because he plays the like fish out of water role incredibly well and has this look of pure charm and innocence in him. 
that Audrey Hepburn also has or had. Yeah. May she rest in peace, sweet woman. Um, and I feel like she and Brendan both share the same sensibilities when it comes to like looking at the mundane and Mm -hmm. being incredibly surprised by it and being incredibly enchanted by it Mm -hmm. and having that resonate with an audience through a screen without it looking stupid, (laughs) without it looking like super fucking lame. So um, I will say that about that. And then also just the fact that like with every like haircut or like ice cream cone or like, you know, dancing around like the the streets of rome she there is a freshness to her mm-hmm. and like a nuance and an innocence to her that i don't really see in anyone else that she can she can bring to the table which i'm much like brendan fraser <laughs> she can make it seem very genuine <laughs> yeah I um I guess I can see how you drew connection <laughs> between those two. Um, I do think that they have a similar sort of like naive, um, you know, as I said, like doe-eyed property to both of them. Um, that ends up working really well for them and their acting style and their characters. Um, another thing about her that I really love, and this kind of just speaks to the, how movies were made at the time, is that... I don't know. I feel like a lot more movies in the like 40s, 50s, 60s were made where like you were very enchanted by the people on screen. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that that's something that is really in movies that often anymore. No, except in Brendan Fraser movies. (laughs) You're you're so right. Yes. (laughs) You're so right. When I put on Blast from the Past. So in the movie Blast from the Past, we're enchanted (laughs) by Brendan Fraser in that he... (laughs) Um, But... So I think that that's something that movies now like don't really prioritize or because because we've we've gone beyond the age of like starlets where like people were making money simply off of the faces and studios owned people. They didn't literally movies, literally y'all. <laughs> so we're beyond that. But I do think that like it takes something extra to be that beautiful, but also so talented and layered and still feel new and fresh despite kind of being just another pretty face that's not to say that she didn't look unique but she was beautiful and there were other people equally as beautiful acting at the same time you know indeed i will say beyond her beauty she's it's it's hard to call her like conventionally beautiful because she has if you were to remove all of the individual parts of her face and explain them to someone Uh like big nose bushy eyebrows angular features huge feet (laughs) like (laughs) individually none of that works right but i think that there's a very precious quality to all of her features being put onto one face and one body and the way that she carries herself is almost like dancer like which obviously she she was a ballet dancer um and because she has so much charm the way that she carries herself and the way that she that she emotes on screen is so enchanting and like beautiful that she like almost transcends beauty in a way because like i said like individually her features are technically supposed to like not be like what is conventionally beautiful but because she's such a warm and and brilliant presence it feels not it feels beautiful 
yeah. and radiant. I mean, I've I've heard her like I've read her quotes about being like, you know, when you've got a face like mine, and I gen like I genuinely don't see that. Like I don't see people saying, uh, you know, like her bushy eyebrows and her big nose. I'm like, I, she looked every part of her is beautiful to me and is conventionally beautiful. So that doesn't resonate with me exactly, but I can see she didn't look like everyone else at the time mm-hmm. for sure. Um, but she was stunning and instantly became like a fashion and beauty icon. So it's kind of crazy at the time that she was also just like so fucking talented and that people were using her for her talent and not just her beauty. Absolutely. Like that was also another thing because there were plenty of people who were talented, but who were still just used for their face. Mm -hmm. And I think she was used for both personally. Absolutely. I'm smacking the mic. I'm getting too excited. (laughs) You're absolutely right. And I think with a, with a movie like Roman holiday, that's very like Royal fish out of water, I guess. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's really it's really easy for it to just kind of be like a one-off rom-com kind of a nothing movie yeah but it has such depth and yes. and the characters are so well developed mm-hmm. and well defined and everyone has such a clear motive multiple conflicting motives yes. that it, it's actually a very rich story and the fact that it's set in rome i mean like it's fucking gorgeous it's a gorgeous film i've always wished to see it in like color because i feel like it would yeah. just look so fucking bananas. I know. Um, but here we are left with a black and white version. It's it's true. What a crime. I also I also really love that like this movie, despite it being 1953, where maybe we were all about stereotypes. Um, this is not your stereotypical like romantic film. It doesn't no. end ha- I mean, it, it doesn't happily, but it doesn't end like boy no. and girl do yeah. not end up together, mm-hmm. you know, which is kind of crazy for the time but that's why i mean that's why it won an oscar that's why it's so highly regarded as being such an amazing film in addition to the performances absolutely and not just that but like you know how sometimes an actor like the costume wears the actor yeah in this movie the costumes are larger than life but audrey hepburn still wears them they don't wear her which is really incredible especially when she's wearing something like a fucking like 10 foot tiara and like a huge (laughs) ass gown um it's just really great because she's so petite and so so small and you you would think that everything would swallow her yeah the dress the throne the heat like everything the city but she has such a commanding presence that it, it nothing does she's like she sits in herself very well yeah and that resonates that resonates very successfully through the screen yeah i think the one thing that did kind of swallow her was her hair oh which yeah. is why i love the scene that she, when she yes. chops literally all of it off which, because she knows it does she yes. knows that it like not only does it swallow her but it also just like makes her feel like someone that she isn't mm-hmm and that's is why like, that seems so important and is very like indicative of her status but also her age and she's she just wants to you know like be her own woman she wants to make the fucking chap <laughs> she just wants to make the make the chap the big chap and then she wants to party with her hairdresser yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's just nice because you see her as this like fun loving um young princess who like doesn't really give a fuck mm-hmm. almost and 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 but yet doesn't really understand the conventions of the world as it yeah. stands because she's been so sheltered in her life mm-hmm. the fact that she even went out on a sedative is insane to me i mean there needed to be something to like make it all happen which i yes. totally understand but like what the fuck <laughs> 
like, what the fuck, y'all? Yep, yep. And while she's on the sedative, it's an opportunity for people to be like, oh, Audrey Hepburn is like hilarious. Yeah, she's fucking she's funny. She's very though. funny. And she's <laughs> even funnier in these next two films that we're going to talk yes. about. Like, she's actually, oh, she's a comedian, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> she's yeah. funny. Um, <laughs> but in this movie, she's she's she just gets to be herself. Like, she mm-hmm. gets to be beautiful and young and, and fantastic and fabulous and brilliant. And uh, Gregory Peck as her young foil is absolutely stunning next He's to her. so fucking good. Absolutely stunning. <laughs> we love him. We love this movie. We love this movie. Go watch it. So, Monica, what's our next movie? Our next movie is Breakfast at Tiffany's. Uh, it came out in 1961, written by George Axelrod, directed by Blake Edwards, based on the book by Truman Capote. Yes. Struggling writer Paul Varjak. <laughs> what a name. Just what a name. Uh, played by George Peppard, moves into a New York apartment building and becomes intrigued by his pretty, quirky neighbor, Holly Golightly, played by Audrey Hepburn. Holly's lifestyle both deeply confuses and utterly fascinates Paul. Paul befriends her and bears witness to her eccentric life and secrets she may be hiding. Bum, bum, bum. Like being a call girl and being a gold digger. And being involved with a mobster. And also just straight up not being who she says she is. Or just not having an identity. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> wow. So... <laughs> This movie is kind of about everything and also about nothing. Yeah. It was really hard to write a synopsis about this movie. Uh, Because Audrey Hepburn basically embodies the manic pixie dream girl. Yeah. And she has no real direction in life as a character. And uh, as Jessica was saying earlier, Audrey Hepburn had a really hard time with this role because she felt like because Holly Glidley had nothing kind of and like was really about nothing and yeah. didn't know who she was it was hard for Audrey Hepburn to play her because she you know any actor needs something to root themselves yeah. in yeah um, I'm not an actor myself but I'm sure that's what that's the, how they feel uh, uh, you have acted before <laughs> Please. Let's not lie to our listeners. Right. I had a short stint as the smaller big bird. Um, <laughs> and this movie has obviously Mickey Rooney in it. Yeah, let's get that out of the way. Let's, let's get, get the racism out, out of, of the way. way. So, yeah, let, let's get the Manic Pixie Dream Girl, the insane plot, and the and Mickey Rooney <laughs> out of the way. Let's get all of the bad things about it out of the way. Mickey Rooney plays, uh, let's just call it what it is. He, he does yellow face. Yeah. And he impersonates a, I'm not even really sure, a, a Japanese person. I, I think person. he's supposed to be Japanese. I think, and please do not quote us on this, I we think he's supposed to be Japanese. Yeah. Although it, he does such a poor job of yellow facing, we have no idea. Is there a good way to do it? No, it's just, he does a poor job <laughs> doing it, period. Sure, sure, sure. It just shouldn't have happened. Yes, correct. But we understand it was the time and people were stupid. <laughs> Yeah, they just didn't know. Or they didn't care. Or both. Or, yeah. Or, or maybe everyone was just fucking racist. Yeah, th- there's that too. <laughs> um, but yeah, he obviously plays the landlord and he is of Asian persuasion. Correct. So let's just get that out of the way. Y'all already know, we do not condone it in any fucking way. No. We don't think it was a good performance. We don't think it should have happened. It It is what it is. Did we laugh at it? 
unfortunately, yes, we are human. He says the most insane fucking things. And it's just hilarious. It's just fucking funny that this woman continuously forgets her fucking key. And this man has to, and has ex- to be screamed and at has to be screamed constantly. at. So the situation is funny, sure. but his performance is not funny. No, no, no. So moving on from that. So I have complicated feelings about this film. Mm-hmm. Monica fucking loves this movie. Yeah. I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I have a complicated uh, opinion of it because like there are moments that I really, really love. Like I love the opening. I think it's so intimate. Mm-hmm. Um, like it, it was just a really brilliant filmmaking choice um, to open with her in front of Tiffany's by herself. No one is around, which is really interesting because like it's New York City. There's mm-hmm. always fucking people around mm-hmm. and she's always around people like she's rarely just by herself. Um, partially because I don't think she knows who she is or doesn't like herself. But that's beside <laughs> the point. <laughs> um, so I think that 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 was really that's a really interesting, lovely place to start but then you quickly realize that like this woman doesn't feel safe and because that's why she's so flighty because she doesn't feel safe or doesn't feel comfortable with like herself and her own thoughts and her own identity Mm -hmm. and she's always running from something and she's just like this kind of extroverted messy person or at least pretends to be one Mm -hmm. and i guess that's interesting especially for Audrey's acting, because like that's the antithesis of who Audrey Hepburn is. Right. So in that sense, it is a very impressive performance. And I'm not saying she didn't do a good job. I think she did an amazing job. However, Holly Golightly doesn't know who the fuck Holly Golightly is. Mm-hmm. And like Monica was saying, you, as an actor, you need something to grab onto. And so Audrey, like she was worried about playing the role. And like, there frankly are moments where you see her not really knowing what she's doing. Absolutely. Like 100%. And that is difficult for me as a viewer to watch, especially because like you see the Manic Pixie Dream Girl in so many things, but this movie is so glamorized. You see the image of fucking Holly Golightly with her little tiara and her big long cigarette on everything. Like it is, it's everywhere. And it's so like highly regarded but it's a woman who doesn't have an identity and i think that that's a toxic thing to be spreading so i have a complicated time with this movie and this role absolutely i think that a lot of what you're feeling is a lack of consequence yeah so i think a lot of what you're feeling is like okay she just gets to like run around new york and like be a socialite and for what question mark yeah um because there is a lack of consequence in literally everything she does because in her mind she's invincible mm-hmm. which but at the same time stupidly fragile which is something that's really difficult to grapple with because as a viewer you want you want a character to be one or the other it's really hard to watch someone be both yeah. um which is why a lot of like kids don't see their parents as people they see them as parents because it's a really difficult thought to see your parent as a person sure with feelings and flaws and like motives and 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 ego and what have you Mm -hmm. so it's just hard to see a person on screen a woman on screen being both things and also not really fearing consequence because she knows a lot of the stuff that she's doing is like low-key sketchy but she doesn't say anything she sort of passes it off as like 
fun. Yeah. And she she's a user, right? So like she, she uses people and uses them for like her own comfort. Mm-hmm. And it's just very difficult to side with her sometimes because she pushes everyone away while at the same time grabs onto them so tightly she like draws blood. Yeah. So it's just it's a whirlwind, man. Yeah, I think I would have liked her slash it more if like she was forced to reckon with these problems and then like forced to sit in them and figure it out but there's like a moment at the end where paul tells her you know like basically tells her her problems and she realizes it and then like starts crying and then goes and gets the cat and then they kiss in the rain and that's the end and it's Mm -hmm. like okay cool so she was told all the things wrong with her and then she gets the guy the guy who because she doesn't know who she is he also doesn't know who the fuck she is Mm -hmm. i mean he knows like what who like her identity Mm -hmm. but that's kind of it and so i don't know i don't like this idea of like being rewarded for it or like people falling in love with false identities and shit like that i don't like it but she's incredible in the movie and she does such a good job of grappling with these things absolutely i think you always see her contemplating yeah whether or not she should do something yeah and you always see her like i hate this word i hate this word but you always see her like scheming yeah like cooking up whatever her next thing is she like literally is planning Mm -hmm. on like finding these rich men and marrying (laughs) them like i love the party scene i love when she like sees the fucking rich guy with the super blonde hair walking and she just like her (laughs) eyes so huge it's she has impeccable comedic impeccable comedic timing so good (laughs) oh my god one of the things i will say about audrey hepburn's performance in this film that i love is the moment when she finds out her brother fred is dead yeah um, that's when I think Audrey Hepburn is not playing Holly Golightly grieving. She's playing someone. Yeah. Grieving. grieving. Just a real portrayal. Just a of real p- portrayal of hearing someone that you love more than anyone Correct. in the world has died. And yeah. that is something that I really appreciate. And they showed the ugliness. Like they showed how ugly, yeah. like how, how terrible, like her, her dress was like lopsided and her hair was lopsided and she was throwing things around. And she mm-hmm. went from looking so beautiful and refined in one scene to being completely disheveled and like a wounded animal in the next scene. So, yeah. um, I just, uh, that is what showed me that Audrey Hepburn is a fucking actor. Totally. Like she, she acts the shit out of this movie. 100%. My issue is never with, with Audrey because I do think she is so amazing and that she's so funny and so like there's a lot of like she like, got range yeah there and there's a lot of like black comedy in this in this movie as well which <laughs> yeah. which i love um it, it's just it's the character for me but at the same time like that doesn't take away from her performance mm-hmm. That's really funny that it's the character for you because I'm cool with the character being both everything and also nothing. But I've also had decades of experience with this movie. Um, I will say the thing I've always had issues with is how stupidly complex the plot is because the plot, the plot like the character Mm -hmm. is everything and also nothing. Yeah. It's really all over the fucking place. Like you've Uh, got the mob and you've got the marrying for the money. And and, uh, there's too many schemes happening. Yeah. There's there. And there are too many Paul being like a sugar baby. He's also scamming everyone. Yeah. He's also like, I'm an author. Varjag, V-A-R-J-A-K. I have a book here. Like, 
he's an author, but he's also like not really an author. He's had one thing published and it's short stories and he has no, mm-hmm. he's, he also has no identity either no. because he's just floating around and like he only cares about money at some point. Like you see the fact that like he doesn't give a shit about his quote unquote decorator friend. Exactly. <laughs> like they're, they're very similar people, which is why I find it like all the more disturbing because he's like pointing the finger at her at the end. I'm like, you're not wrong, Paul, but also, but also like you look in a, a mirror, buddy. <laughs> Listen, the only person with a real identity in this movie is the cat. Oh That's my it. God. A cat is cat and cat pretends to be nothing else but a cat <laughs> played by multiple cats cats played by played so well cats one through five um i just <laughs> that's the only thing I've, I've always had like a big issue with it's like the plot is batshit yeah. like, i'm like what is happening why are people doing things why are we now in a party why did we, why did we move on sure. from here why are we now in the fire escape where did moon river come from henry mancini what the fuck is going on <laughs> Like, that's really what I, (laughs) where I struggled with the most, um, mostly that. And like, I will say it is a difficult movie to essentially like summarize to my friends because anyone who's, who comes up to me is like, I haven't watched Berks of Tiffany's like, what is it about? I literally stand there with my dick in my hand. Like, (laughs) literally, uh, yeah, (laughs) the literal dick that you have, um, (laughs) being like, uh, it's about a call girl who's not really a call girl who has a motive, but the motive is unclear. Mm-hmm. And there's this guy, but he's an author, but he's like not really an author. And he has he just had one book, but like it's like good, but well, presumably it's good. And, <laughs> and he has a decorator, but she's not really a decorator. She's a sugar mama, but she doesn't know that, and he doesn't know that. Mm-hmm. But it's just really about money and power and like there's a rat no there's not rats but there's super rats and like there's just a whole thing and everyone's like okay well it sounds fine i'm not gonna watch it i think the confusing i think ultimately the thing that's confusing to me about breakfast at tiffany's is that it is a confusing film in a lot of ways and i have no problem with movies that deal with tough characters that are hard to understand because mm-hmm. I think that those stories should be told regardless. Like, totally. I don't think any type of person is off limits for a movie to be about them. But it's also considered like this deeply romantic movie. You see it playing on Valentine's Day a lot. And I'm just like, why? <laughs> um, it's I, 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 I'm really happy that we're having this conversation because like, even with all this coming out of my mouth, I need everyone to know that this is still one of my favorite movies yeah, of all time. Yeah, you fucking love this movie. I and love this movie. I love that for you. <laughs> I just don't like get the hype. Where did the mob come from? However, I, I why guess, did she get arrested? <laughs> I guess in 1961, I can understand the hype. Oh, totally. You know, I would be really interested in. I don't want to read the book, but I would want to know what the like the clear differences between the book and the movie are because Truman Capote notoriously hated the film adaptation. And he was like, they took all the grit out of it. Like, like uh, fucking Holly Golightly is supposed to like have had an abortion and like be on drugs and like all these other things. Like she, they really, uh, they really glamorize it. Like yeah, you said. exactly. <laughs> so I, I'm like, maybe I would like her more if it, we were more committed to her being really fucked it's- up. I don't know. Really funny because uh, it was nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay, but I'm sure that screenplay was just a bunch of papers glued together. Yeah, and Truman Capote was like, no, stop it. I'm (laughs) so confused. (laughs) 
<laughs> all the time. I also just straight up don't understand what a socialite does. They're social. And they're famous for being social. They're they social go to parties lights. and they like hang on rich men and you know, that's that's what they do. I don't even know. What I will say <laughs> is a lot of films steal a lot of the like tropes from this film. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, it's very it was very influential. It was very influential to a lot of specifically rom coms. Yeah. Uh, in one way or another, like and basically any rom com can mm-hmm. like date something back to breakfast at tiffany's mm-hmm. i will say that it really stood on its own as like a, a version of the modern rom-com sure. that makes no sense <laughs> <laughs> we love it but we love this movie and we do not fault it <laughs> i don't think it's a bad movie if you love it you love it you go girl i'm just cat cat where are you cat <laughs> That cat, the cat that they use at the end, really had the saddest face. You, you, in the rain, <laughs> just like wow. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, um, now we're gonna move to our third movie, our third Audrey movie. This was my favorite of the bunch. I was hyped about this movie. I'm so glad. I'm so happy for you. <laughs> I had never seen this. So out of these three, I had only seen Breakfast at Tiffany's, and I'd only seen it once. So these were all kind of new. But um, so this one is Charade which came out in 1963, written by Peter Stone and Mark Beam or Bem? Bam Beam. <laughs> Beam Bam. <laughs> directed by Stanley Donnan, who also directed Singing in the Rain, our mm-hmm. fave. Okay, so after her estranged husband's murder, jet setter Regina, played by Audrey Hepburn, is pursued by three crooks who want the money her husband stole from them. With her life in jeopardy, she turns to charming stranger Pita, played by Cary Grant, for help, but soon discovers he isn't who he claims to be and that his own agenda is far from clear. Talk about confusing motives. <laughs> Seriously. Okay, first of all, this is one of my... F- so, basically, all three of these films are just some of my favorite Audrey Hepburn films because sure. uh, Jessica hasn't seen, like, m- most of them. No. <laughs> also, when we pick a daddy, sometimes we're just like, let's just do the ones we like the most. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, and I love charade so much (laughs) it is such a fun movie yes like it's like a spy movie and a thriller and a a heist yeah oh and a rom-com there's a lot similarly to breakfast at tiffany's there's a lot going there's so but the the difference is this movie handles it a lot better (laughs) yeah they really like very clearly connect the dots however i will say this movie is very quick a lot of the lines are very quick and the humor oh my this movie is fucking hilarious this movie is a hoot and a half but but the humor is delivered totally deadpan in exactly the same way that all the other lines are delivered and it's very fast and if you aren't listening you will miss all of the funny parts yeah i mean (laughs) this this movie's screen like i've always wanted to read this movie's screenplay i'm sure because the rapport between uh carrie grant Mm -hmm. and audrey hepburn is impeccable yes impeccable i've never heard more like intricate dialogue except i guess maybe in maybe like a Maybe like in like a Noah Baumbach movie? Maybe. Similar, yeah. but this is like so much more refined, if that makes sense. It's very refined, but it's like also very calculated. It's I, so good. It's really, really good. And also like, I don't know. I don't watch a ton of old movies, but I've seen enough. You don't see a ton where like people have this like really delightful banter that like 
real you don't see like that super magnetic chemistry all the time, at least not in my opinion. And in this one, you really get it. Like you feel like these people are real people as opposed to just like big Hollywood faces, which I feel it happens a lot in these older, like golden era of Hollywood movies. Absolutely. You know? And it's, it's just so fucking funny. It, like, like this, mo- this movie's like an instant vibe oh. right off the bat. That the shot of like the, the fucking Alps. The Alps. Oh the Alps. my God. And she's sitting the there in, well. she's sitting in uh, her wardrobe done by Givenchy. She's in her Givenchy. She's sipping on her drink. Mm-hmm. She's like looking out into the Alps and like, oh, it's just such a vibe. Like this Audrey Hepburn in this movie is immediately like as soon as you see her, you know, it's going to be different from other Audrey Hepburn movies simply because she doesn't look the way she looks in other Audrey Hepburn movies. No. Like, she is wearing a glamorous outfit, but it's not like it's not like to a the gown. Nines. Yeah, it's not or to the nines. it's not like a cute little dress. She's literally wearing like a full fur like bodysuit yeah. with a fur hood like she just looks like this little like fur round furry lady and she's sitting there eating and she's like clearly very grumpy and so like it you can just tell it's not going to be the same it's yeah. going to be a different audrey uh this movie was i think based on a short story um i think it was called like the unsuspecting wife or so oh. <laughs> or something but uh it's essentially just f- for those of you who don't know because i feel like we didn't really even go f- much further than the synopsis but it's basically like this woman has no idea who the fuck her husband is no <laughs> and he dies and he owes a lot of money yeah. <laughs> and she doesn't have the money and she like a lot of women in this time period runs into a man and then depends on him for all things yes (laughs) (laughs) so just sort of like giving you some context (laughs) their first interaction is so funny like right after she gets squirt in the face with a with a water gun yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. which is hilarious Mm -hmm. (laughs) which is so alfred hitchcock by the way it was fucking hilarious backed by the alps and you see a gun come out on like the left side of the screen you're like oh shit then it's a fucking water gun yeah and like that sets the tone for the entirety of like what this movie it is just so good is gonna be but then she has she meets greg or she meets carrie grant sorry not Gregory. (laughs) (laughs) she meets carrie grant and they have this exchange where they're talking about being married and she's like "Mm, but i want to get a divorce and it's just like (laughs) revealing everything to this complete stranger (laughs) it's so fucking funny oh it's just so good um sort of another example of like really good rapport and like uh really just hilarious moments mm-hmm. are when she's talking to the, the guy, the representative from the CIA yes. in his office for the first Isn't it time. Walter Matha. Yes. Yes. And, uh, and like, he's like, liverwurst, chicken, liverwurst, liverwurst. And she's, and she's like, no, thank you. And they're just like talking and, 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 and he hands her a letter from her dead husband. And the letter says something akin to like, my dearest Regina. <laughs> um, yeah. Like I'm, I'm, I hope you're doing well. Um, you have, a dentist appointment but it's been changed <laughs> or like your dentist called and they changed her appointment yeah and and uh she looks up at she looks up at the at the CIA guy and she's like well what did you get out of this letter he's like well we called your dentist ma'am and we confirmed your appointment has changed <laughs> <laughs> it's just like silly like so the humor is so subtle it's like, 
it's so subtle, but it's also so simple. Mm-hmm. Like it's not, these jokes aren't complicated and most of them are done through delivery. Oh, like, yeah. and I love the fucking scene where Cary Grant gets into the shower mm-hmm. wearing his suit mm-hmm. and he like puts on his glasses and he's like, I'll drip dry. <laughs> <laughs> there are just so many like really amazing moments of insane chemistry. There are so many singers. <laughs> yes. And Audrey Hepburn just like really being on her fucking toes and being really oh smart. My God. Uh, Audrey Hepburn in the funeral scene when she's witnessing all of these guys come in and like do weird things to her husband. Yeah, like they're sneeze all like on stabbing him and, like, them or sne- yeah. yeah. And she, her eyes are just like, <laughs> like, <laughs> and she turns to, I think her friend Sylvie's the one who's next to her. Yes. And she's like, she's like, who are all these people? And Sylvie's like, well, they must have known Charles very well. And she's like, <laughs> why? She was like, because they're all allergic to him. <laughs> Because <laughs> they were like sneezing on him. Yeah, yeah. Oh but what my they were god! Doing was they were trying to see if he was actually dead. Lamau. Oh my god! It's it's re- it's really fucking funny. It's fucking. And I hilarious. also it was so refreshing because like it's not at this time even fucking now. Like let's be honest, there was like a twenty year age difference between Audrey Hepburn and Cary Grant, which is a fuck ton. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot of years. But they write it into the script and they actually have a conversation about their age difference. Mm -hmm. And she's just like, that's fine. I want to get married and I want to have kids with you, whatever. And he's like, but I'm old. And she's like, it's fine. I would be so fucking pleased if they did that now. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, it would be so nice if we could just address the fucking elephant in the room that there is this age difference. Yeah, instead of just, like, casually, nonchalantly just have them be together. Like, that's a big deal. I have no problem with these with these age gaps, but it's it's the it's them being around constantly that I have a problem with without addressing them. But in this movie, I mean, it was made in 1963. Like, there's no reason for them to have addressed it because it was just kind of like of the era, but it's, it just proves how smart it was. It was just so smart. It was so, um, we said this earlier, but like someone said that it was an Alfred Hitchcock movie that was not directed by Alfred Hitchcock because it's just so fun and smart and different and like twisty and thrillery and Mm -hmm. suspensey, lots of ease. It's just, it's so good. And Henry Mancini's score is Oh my fuck to die for. Yes. <laughs> it's I, so good. I also love how it manages to be a thriller, but it's never like scary. No, because they're so funny. Yes. <laughs> like people are literally just turning up dead. Someone yeah. gets like their throat slashed and you're just like, oh, okay. what's going to happen next? Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what next sophisticated thing will happen? <laughs> yeah. And Audrey Hepburn just like, she fucking holds her own. Like, I think this is the movie I've seen where she feels like the strongest like oh, the strongest yeah. woman yeah absolutely yeah she she the thing is is she doesn't know what the fuck is going on but <laughs> but yet yet she like tells the people around her well like well you know this happened but I'll probably just go back to work and be a translator mm-hmm. uh, my friend does English to French I do French to English so I'll probably just end up doing that <laughs> um and yeah so it was chill never knowing my husband um and good day <laughs> Like, it's just, it's just so bananas. And I'm, uh, Audrey Hepburn just brings the most delicious flavor to this film. Agreed. That is, is because she, she, this is one of the only films where she doesn't play someone who is like even more glamorous than the average woman, like you were Correct. saying. Yeah. She's kind of just like, 
a rich housewife yeah but the glamour sort of ends there Mm -hmm. beyond that she's scrappy like she can get down and dirty she can she's witty she's smart she can figure like she's literally for the majority of the movie like just chilling with crooks yeah like figuring out where where the fuck this money is and then twist after twist happens and she still holds her own yes so it's like all right girl we see you girl yeah she's i mean she's truly it's no surprise to anyone and it's not news but like she was such a talent oh my god you know oh my god and i encourage everybody to watch these but also go like watch some of her more dramatic work like watch the children's hour and yeah all that other stuff yeah the shit that was too sad to talk about yeah we <laughs> we realized that we've been uh we've been reviewing pretty sad films <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you know. I mean, we did do an entire Jack Black episode. Come on. That's true. We, he we, was you a murderer what? in one of those. We so. give you guys range. Okay. <laughs> much like Audrey like, serves us range. Much like Ms. Audrey, yeah. we give you range. We give you home on the range. <laughs> well, Wee. do you have any more? Do you have any more? comments monica no other than the title sequence for charade is uh go off oh yeah it fucking slaps and i love the part at the end where she's like then we'll name we'll have four sons and we'll name them and then it like flashes all of his different identities because (laughs) spoiler carrie grant has about five different identities in this i believe exactly five yeah i think it's five yeah yeah and so it's like haha at the end they're gonna get married and have children and they're gonna name each of them after one of his identities (laughs) Because he, he a criminal. Which is pretty fucking funny. Because <laughs> honestly, they all criminals. They all criminal. Well, he he works for this the, the country. Yeah, which is just so bizarre. Yeah. Because he commits so many crimes in the process. Yes, he does. <laughs> just go watch it. It's it, You can watch it for free right now on IMDb TV. Yeah, go. Uh, yeah, which is just in and of itself a whole different conversation. Yeah, you know, it's fine. <laughs> you know, we out here hustling. We out here trying to watch this movie. <laughs> Go watch IMDb TV. Don't don't be startled if you see those ads, though. No, there's a lot of ads. There's a lot of ads. Just get through them. Just get through them. <laughs> we promise you it, it will be fine. <laughs> All right, Monica. Well, what have you dabbled in? I've been dabbling in some homemade pizza. Oh, do tell, Monica. I've never I made I say pizza. this as if I wasn't involved. Oh, my God. <laughs> I can't have anything I'm nice. I'm sorry. Um... I have never made pizza before. I'm not much of a baker. Mm-hmm. That's actually, that's a lie. I'm not a baker at all. Um, <laughs> I don't bake anything. Yeah, you didn't even have flour. Dough is hard for me. Uh-huh. Uh, anything that involves like feeling, making sure that things are scientific and like properly weighed really fucks me up uh because i'm a big improviser when it comes to my meals i'm a big like i like to change recipes and like do kind of on the fly so Mm -hmm. and i have a i have a really good understanding of like how food works so like if i were to put in the broccoli at this time like no 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 that kind of a thing but when it comes to baking i'm shit uh-huh. I, I don't want to like sugarcoat it you know I don't want people thinking I'm out here trying to be a pastry chef because I'm really not I get it um uh so even pizza seemed very daunting to me yeah anything involving a dough I, I understand it <laughs> just really really fucks with me uh so on Friday we made pizza with Jessica uh, she brought over the dough and or no she brought over the ingredients and I had the dough from Trader Joe's yeah pretty solid dough 
Pretty solid dough, very tasty. Um, and we made a delicious, delicious yes. pizza. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I hesitate to say what was on it because I don't want to be jugged. No, say it. Uh, it was a pineapple, olive, chive, garlic pizza. It was delicious. It was so good. It was so good. Uh, so for those of you who think that that is absolutely insane, I don't disagree. Yeah. But I also think that uh let me live. So <laughs> really that's really what it is. What about you, Jessica? Mm, nothing. <laughs> what? Nothing. I've just been you know, not not to get too deep here, but I've been really putting a lot of effort this week into kind of like reconnecting with friends, not that I didn't talk to them, but just like really focusing on those relationships. Um because I didn't like really realize how much time my romantic relationship took up. Yeah, it took up a lot. Of, um, I can confirm that it took up a lot of your. It took time. up a lot of time. I mean, like, and I wanted it that way. I was, I wanted to do that, but um, then just realizing, like, I need to lean on these people, and also, like, I just want to, you know, prioritize those relationships now. And so that's what I've been doing this week, and it's been really, really, really nice. You and Aaron have been a wonderful help to me. So. Yeah. Well, I for one am excited to be reprioritized. Um, I think I should always. Listen, be I saw you every week. <laughs> I don't know. I just I think and now I deserve it'll be twice more. Twice a week. I think I just think I deserve more. Do you want me to move in with you? Just ask. I don't know. <laughs> I'll have to think about it. Oh, okay. Now we're gonna play coy. <laughs> but yeah, that, so that's that's the only thing I've been dabbling this week, other than just like you know working and watching watching the films so uh we don't have a question for this week which means everyone i know you want to know things i know you want to know what we think why don't you put your quilt to the papyrus <laughs> write us a question give yeah. us a sign give us a sign that you're out there curious curious ah. <laughs> so i'll use this to tell you to if you have a question dm us if you have a story about meeting a daddy, DM us or someone related to a daddy, anything interesting, really. You could ask me anything. It doesn't have to be about film. You could be like, Jessica, what should I do this weekend? Or what should I, what shirt should I wear on my Zoom date? And I'll tell you. Not me, though. Just ask me, just ask me questions about the films. I don't, I don't want to know. <laughs> Monica doesn't want to have anything to do with your personal life. I just lives. don't need that in my life. <laughs> so you can DM us or you can, um, Email us at John Favreau is allegedly my daddy at gmail.com. No one ever tells you that when you get an, uh, a Gmail, it's, it's yeah, your Gmail you literally for life. can't change the address. So, so that's where we're at. Um, or you can submit a form on our website, which is John Favreau is my daddy.com. Also, if you haven't, please go rate and review us on iTunes. Yeah. And subscribe <laughs> and tell your friends to follow us on Instagram. I don't know. Just make it seem like you like us. Make it seem like we have some kind of special place in your podcast heart. Yes. Whether that be your real heart and we take up a small <laughs> vein near one of your ventricles. Yeah. Or perhaps your metaphorical heart right next to my favorite murder and armchair expert. <laughs> But below the NPR podcast, yeah, yeah, which yeah, I obviously. highly recommend everyone listen to. <laughs> well, as always, Monica, don't, don't sue us, Daddy, Daddy Favreau. Favreau. Goodbye. Goodbye.